0: Some theologians have said that to miss Paul's uh, point, especially in the book of Romans, his letter, uh, is to miss what does it really mean to worship God? What does it really mean to, to focus on God, to center our life and our attention, our spirit to who God is? And that oftentimes... The reason that happens is because we have other things that take away our attention. We have other things that take away our focus and our energy. These are things that we choose to take away our focus and our time and our energy. And a churchy word that we can often use for that is the word idol. So the question might be, what are those idols in life that might draw away our attention and our focus and our time and energy And if God is a God of love and we're supposed to be worshiping God, what does it mean when these idols seem more important than a God who loves and sees all people? And some of those idols might be those uh, phrases of life that maybe we as as people in the United States um, might seem uh, to be very familiar. Maybe we've even said some of these from time to time. Phrases like, go big or go home. Or phrases like, some people have it and some people don't. Or phrases like, only the strong survives. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans about being transformed, about not letting uh, phrases like this or ideologies like this or even theologies like this to influence us and our way of being. He writes about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so how do we take these things that maybe the world throws at us and in the midst of that, figure out a different way. A different way to see, a different way to live, a different way to interact. Because when we think about not conforming, but about transforming by renewing. Part of this means, of course, learning new things. And in learning new things, we learn new people. And as we learn new people, we learn new ways of life. This is what PBS is all about. Learning about new people learning about new ways, learning about new realities. And how is it that those realities now impact our own because we have learned about them, we know about them, they are now a part of us. Just think about how countercultural PBS has been for so many years. And especially for children. How countercultural is it still today to say and to live that all people are welcome. Every day when you're walking down the street and everybody that you meet has an original point of view and I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day if you can learn to work and play and get along with each other. These are the words of Arthur. A character who first started uh, in books and then became a popular PBS uh, cartoon show. Every single episode is about how we live and learn from the midst of each other. How we live in diversity. How it is that other people's lives, uh, experience, and circumstances impact our own. And sometimes those are great. And sometimes they rub against us. And we have to learn and we have to decide each and every episode, will we actually live life together. One particular episode was called When Carl Meets George. Now, George is one of Arthur's regulars. He's one of the many kids uh, that Arthur knows and goes to school with and is friends with and lives life with. And there's a new student who comes to the school, a new student by the name of Carl. Now, George experiences very quickly that Carl does not seem to be like everybody else. Carl is very interested in uh, a few specific things. And if you get him talking about one of those few specific things, he will continue to talk and continue to talk, regardless of what anything else is happening, regardless of any other instructions that he has given. Carl really hones in and focuses on those things that he really likes. And so George, as he's trying to get to know Carl and be friends, starts to share with Carl what it is that he likes. For instance, a puppet that he's been working on. And it's this giraffe. He carries it around with him all the time. And so when he introduces his giraffe puppet um, and does a little bit of his ventriloquism with Carl, Carl suddenly becomes terrified. And he runs away from his desk and he uh, huddles in a corner and he puts his, his hands over his ears and he just starts to rock back and forth. And George is worried and and he's surprised. He's not sure what he's done. And Carl's uh, mother comes to Carl's aid and um, assures George that it's okay. She also informs George that Carl is on the spectrum of autism. And George says, well, what does that mean? And Carl's mom says, well, it just means that his brain works differently uh, than some people's. He sees things differently. He hears things differently. He processes things differently. And so as George comes to understand exactly who Carl is and how Carl processes through life and how he responds and how he interacts, George decides to change some of his interactions so that Carl is more comfortable. For instance, he doesn't talk quite as loud. He doesn't pull out his puppet to show Carl. And he tries to have conversations about things that Carl likes, like the trains. But George also learns how to be a better artist because of Carl's gift. And so we see that in this episode of Arthur, friendship really is a two-way street. It's not just about George changing himself so that he can be a better friend to Carl, but it's also George learning from Carl because of Carl's gifts. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not about, well, how can we just be better people to others? I.e., how can we be the savior? The kingdom of God is how can we learn from other people, from their life experiences, from the way that they see and hear things? And what do they have to teach us? Not just what do we have to teach them? And then it becomes less about them and us It becomes about we. Several of us probably heard a couple weeks ago about the tragic car accident uh, that took place here in Lakeland that claimed the lives of a family, a family that was connected with uh, Rochelle School of the Arts. Many of us on staff learned about this because of one of our parishioners uh, who teaches at Rochelle. And this was Kim Mays. Uh, Kim Mays works at uh, Rochelle School of the Arts. She also is very active in our youth ministry as well as some of the other ministries. And we worked with Kim and the family trying to figure out how best we could support them. And in the midst of the week, we learned that the family was not able to find a church in town uh, large enough to hold a service um, that they wanted. And so we were able to say to Kim, you know what, tell the family that they can have it here. Now, we didn't know the family personally, we had never met them, but we knew that they were going through an incredible tragedy, huge amounts of grief, and we knew that this was one of the few things that we could do to help the family. Now, those of you who may know Kim personally, you may also know that she writes a blog. And so this was one of the last writings that she published um, last week, as she talks about what happened at that funeral service. She writes, I saw my church staff work together to help this family honor their loved ones. And as I sat there listening, watching, and taking in the service, I thought about what I was witnessing. I watched what community looks like. Today I gain an appreciation for new traditions. I watched and saw that it did not matter what people were wearing, for it's much more about community than clothes. Because today wasn't about us, and it wasn't about them. Instead, we all came together, the us's and the, and the them's, just as it should be. I saw it happen today, and I know it can happen tomorrow. So for those of us here, those of us in this current How do we make it possible today? How do we make it possible tomorrow? What if we saw ourselves more often as sidekicks in other people's stories? What if we saw ourselves as the side character interacting in the main story of those we come in contact with? What if we spent more time and attention putting other people in front of ourselves? And we may say, and we may think that, you know, as Christians, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But we may also say in our humanity, well, what if I'm the only one who actually does it? And everyone else gets put ahead of me. What happens if I actually live out these ideas of the kingdom of God, but nobody else does? And all it means is that I lose. Paul puts it this way. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. Place it all before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. Don't try to be something you are not. That's one of the secrets about the kingdom of God. It's one of the secrets, I think, that Jesus tells, that he proclaims, but for whatever reason, we don't really hear it. And maybe that's why this whole discipling thing sometimes feels harder than it really needs to be. Because it really comes down to just be Who you're supposed to be. Nothing more, but also nothing less. Be the person God has created you to be so that you can do what God has called you to do. And yes, even that can seem very hard at times. It can seem as though, well, I'm trying to be who I am. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do, but it doesn't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I would argue in many ways, no one knows that better, of course, than Jesus. But secondly, I don't know that anybody knows that more than PBS. Because PBS for decades has been fighting a constant cultural battle for attention and for relevancy and for support. There's a beautiful scene at the end of Mr. Rogers' movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, where Mr. Rogers is playing the piano at the end of his show. Now, the movie A Beautiful Day isn't really about... Mr. Rogers is a central figure. It's actually about a reporter who's interviewing him. But throughout their experience together, as they get to know each other, the reporter keeps asking Mr. Rogers a question about, do you really feel like you're making a difference? Do you really feel like what you're doing is important? Do you you ever feel pressure at times? Do you ever feel worn down? And Mr. Rogers never really answers that question. In fact, in in one instance, when he kind of sort of starts to answer it in in his own Mr. Rogers kind of way, he talks about it in the sense of playing a piano. And sometimes you just feel like you want to smash the keys down as a way of expressing your anger, that that's healthier to do than to say, express that anger towards other people. And so as he's playing the piano at the end of the movie, you can sort of see that everything is kind of coming to a head for him and and he's kind of struggling and wondering, am I even making a difference? Until he finally just smashes down those keys. But after he takes a moment, he begins playing again. He begins playing in his own calm, peaceful Mr. Rogers way. And in that we see him make a choice. Some days it feels impossible. Some days it feels as though as we are living out the realities of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to feel and to live in the kingdom of God? We may feel as though we're speaking into an abyss. And when that time happens, and sometimes it feels like it happens every day, we are offered the opportunity to once again make that choice. A choice to believe. Not because it's the right answer. But hopefully because what we believe in, who we believe in, has impacted our lives so much that we know no better way. And we still want more. So Muppets... And monsters and cartoons. What is really the point? What is the point in engaging in all of this kid stuff and, and talking about it more than just what it is that we see on TV? Because eventually we grow up, and it's though we stop believing. And it's not that we just stop believing in the Muppets and the cartoons, but we stop believing in what it is that they have taught us because we feel, because we have been taught, that we have to lay all that stuff down. We have to set it aside and we have to get into the real world. A world which tells us go big or go home. And then for whatever reason, we proclaim that we believe in a gospel that tells us the same exact thing that we learned from these stories when we were kids. Stories about love, stories about forgiveness, stories about putting people in front of us, stories about treating everybody equally and welcoming all people, regardless of who they are. How strange. How weird. Some of you know um, Bill Defoe. Bill Defoe is is one of our members. He's the current chair of trustees. In fact, he was the chair of trustees when I started here many years ago. And Bill has some of the greatest devotions you will ever hear. At this last trustees meeting, he talked about how being a follower of Christ is really an odd and peculiar thing. That anyone who would choose to follow Jesus Christ is really just peculiar and odd. And in actuality, Christ himself was pretty peculiar and odd. And look where we are now, 2,000 years later, because of an odd, peculiar person. Some of you may have read the book, The Wild Robot. The Wild Robot is a robot that has been manufactured and like thousands of others, are delivered to places all over the world. Well, this one robot was in a plane crash, and its crate landed, instead of where it was supposed to go, it landed in a remote island. And as the robot uh, is let out, as the robot is turned on by the animal inhabitants, the robot starts to learn by interacting with the only organisms it has ever encountered, these animals. One of the animals is a duck by the name of Brightbill. Now, the robot, whose name is Roz, accidentally comes across this egg and decides to raise it because through its uh, computing, it determines that the right thing to do is to raise this duck. And in the midst of it, the robot falls in love with this duck. She calls it Bright Bill. And in the second book, they get separated. And for a, a long time in the book, the robot Roz is struggling, trying to find her son. And when they're reunited, we see a mother loving her child. And in the midst of this, Roz is finally discovered by the company that created her. In fact, she comes face to face with her actual creator, the scientist who designs all of these robots. And as the scientist learns what Roz has done, what Roz has become, the scientist says to Roz, all of this is only because you have gone through some kind of Defect mechanism. There's something wrong with you. You're not operating the way that you're supposed to. We will fix you. We'll erase your memory. You'll be this kind of robot you're supposed to be because what's happening now is defective. And the robot computes this for a moment and she says, Maybe you're right. Maybe I am. Defective. Maybe everything that I have experienced, everything that I have gone through, is the result of a glitch. But if so, what a beautiful glitch. Are we odd? Are we peculiar because we choose to love? Maybe. Maybe it goes against the ideals of the world. Maybe we all have a glitch. But if so, what a beautiful glitch. I had a seminary professor uh, years ago say that when we leave the table uncovered with the elements, we see what it is that has happened. If everything that we do seems to be a glitch, what a beautiful glitch. To show what has happened. This is what Christ calls us to believe in. These are the stories that Beloved shows such as uh, Clifford and Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and Arthur. Help us to remember what it is that Christ taught so many years ago that we still embody as his people. Love one another. Listen to one another. Be impacted by other stories and share God's love with the world. As we have received communion, let us go out and be communion. Let us be a culture and a kingdom that says all are loved for who we are. And may that give us peace. Amen.